Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 140. All right, guys. Hello again. It's a long time no talk, sort of. It's not that we don't see each other occasionally between episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you live kind of close to each other, you work in the same office for in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what's been going on? That's... For the most part, things have been pretty slow this time of year, but uh, getting ready for DubDub announcements. I think Google I.O. had theirs last week or the week before, so I'm expecting uh, tickets or at least the lottery to be announced sometime this month, maybe before the next episode. Yeah, I.O.'s drawing was actually next last week, I believe. So they've announced it. It's already set. People are buying their plane tickets or have bought their plane tickets by now i hope yeah did you submit your name sam no i didn't yeah i didn't either <laughs> well I, I think we have four people from our team going wow seems seems like in past years these kind of shindigs have been hard to get into well two of them are they of, ions or whatever one is a gdg host oh uh, okay yeah. So you have two legitimate, yeah, two legitimate lottery wins, <laughs> and uh, two uh, through other channels, two, <laughs> two uh, VIP. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so cool. VIP that they have to pay a thousand dollars. Well, the, no, I don't. I don't know what the price was. The tickets are not too bad. It's always the travel and hotel. Um, yeah. But I.O. is also a lot shorter than WWDC, too. Yeah, it's so. like three days, I think. Sounds right. Two or three. Yeah. Two or three, yeah. And then, yeah, five days for DubDub, uh, so that adds up. Although, honestly, if you just went for the first three days of DubDub, <laughs> you'd probably be cool. Actually, you know what? If I was to do it like any way I wanted, I would skip the first day because that's that's just keynotes. Go the second day. And skip the last day. That would be my three days. I can see see why that would be. Because, yeah, I mean, if you've never done a keynote, I don't think I would recommend doing it that, that way. But uh, what do you get out of the keynote? Anymore? That's why I said if you've never been to a keynote, then yeah. I, I think it's it'd be fine to skip. But there is there's something about your first keynote where you get the see this cool event and you know it used to be steve now it's not as cool because there's no steve but <laughs> get to watch um, eddie q dancing around or, yeah uh, i don't think he's there's... allowed to do that anymore but... yeah i'm sure he got banned from that <laughs> now, he's not now... he's not allowed to go to basketball games the night before either i don't think they they are pushing the original content so we might see eddie q up there talking about that this year yeah. he probably stuff his shoes with uh thumbtacks where he doesn't dance <laughs> it is interesting that to you know just experience it and and see all the fellow apple enthusiasts in the room you got a few uh you know, board members up front usually like al gore and and a few other people are in the front row not that you can get anywhere close to the to them you can if yeah. you get there really early <laughs> yeah but they do have security guards that, around that row yeah there there is the the one year that uh, my my two coworkers went with me 
And it was their first keynote, so they got in line at like 4.30 a.m., so they were at the very front of the line. And they they were in the row right behind all those people, so... Yeah, and uh, I went up and talked to him after the keynote, and the security guards were enthusiastically encouraging us to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to me, it's like you get up really early in the morning, you stand there in line for several hours, usually outside, then you stand in line inside for several more hours. Well, what seems like several hours, but I guess the whole line waiting experience. There's yeah, I would almost say like the camaraderie of the line is a better part of the experience than right. maybe sitting and watching the keynote is. I don't know. I'm too grumpy. <laughs> you do seem kind of grumpy. <laughs> too grumpy yeah. in the morning for that com camaraderie. It's a good experience. But yeah. the other thing that you can do now that we that we haven't been able to do before is go check out the new Apple Park. It seems like it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that uh I wouldn't mind seeing that. I'm actually last three years, three or four years, I haven't won a ticket in the lottery. Um I'll probably try again this year. But I'm gonna encourage my son to apply for the scholarship. That'd be cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a good experience. He's actually old enough this year. Which is kinda of weird. Like in the States it, you have to be 13 years or, or older, but the last few years they've bragged about their youngest attendee, and I think this past year it was 10 years old. So I I guess that is somebody, it must have been somebody outside the U.S. that doesn't have the uh, same regulations around COPA. Do they require that, or is it... Is, it, it says on the website on the scholarship that you have to be 13 years or older to apply. Okay. Hmm. So, and that, I think that just has to do with like, you can't collect information, email addresses for anybody under 13 online. Is it, or is it like those, uh, those job postings that say you require 10 years of <laughs> Swift development? I mean, it's hard. You probably could have tried and just seen what happened. I mean, oh, what are they going to do? <laughs> oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, but this year we don't have to do, uh, uh, break the rules. So. We'll do That's it legitimately. Cool. That should be fun. That can that happens. Yeah, well, I think it would be a, a pretty cool experience to take your son there, and because I believe even for like the bash, they get their own special little area and they hang out with the Apple executives. And yeah, I know like Tim Cook and and probably a few others spend some time with the students. So that uh, that could be a good experience for him and. I guess as a, anybody with a guardian would be there too. Yeah. So speaking of Apple Park, uh, kind of recent news about the multi-million dollar curved glass windows at uh, <laughs> uh, the spaceship and people getting injured. Now, is it that the the glass is too clean that people are walking into it? Yeah, it sounds like people just walk straight into it. They don't see it. I mean, I don't think they're... I think it's because they have their faces kind of buried in their phones, too, right? It well, must be. Otherwise, you'd be, like, feeling like you're walking off a ledge, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if no, you... The, since it's curved, have, maybe you're... You well, they have the glass partitions inside the building. 
Oh, it, it, that, it's not well. that they're walking like like they're lemmings walking off the side of the building or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like little walls, yeah, that they run into, yeah. I believe. Yeah, okay. Well, that's easy enough to, to fix. Yeah. And yeah. what we did for our dog to keep her from running into the glass doors, we put little static stick stickers on, on the on the door so she knew, hey, there's something there. <laughs> so I can do the same thing. We had we also had that with pizza delivery guys in the uh, in the office with some of our our glass side lights. <laughs> I'm kind of amazed <laughs> they haven't broken yet. <laughs> So is that when the pizza guy was walking in to deliver the pizza or walking out? It was on the walking way Walking in. Oh, in? was it in? I, I remember well, well when it he was walking like out. It sounds like it's happened multiple... Well, maybe it was on the way out. It's happened multiple times, though, at, at, at Alex's office. I was there one time when it happened. And so the poor pizza guy, I guess he was probably on the way out because he didn't have pizzas. But he literally, like, he goes headfirst into the glass. He leaves, like, a face print. You can see, like, where his nose is and... And all this stuff on the glass, and everyone like like realizes what happened and feels bad and kind of looks away and like doesn't want to make eye contact. <laughs> Bunch but, of developers. Yeah, one of one of Alex's business partners like went and said like Are you all right, and the guy just like wanted to get out of there, so he's like no I'm I'm good, and he just kind of left really quick. But yeah, the concussion and he wrecked his car on the way out. Oh yeah, like the. So this this is not a unique problem to Apple Park. Like we have birds like our in our kitchen. We have like a floor to ceiling window and we get birds who just like go straight, like try to fly into our house. But like they have the 911 calls for these Apple Park collisions. It's like I've got someone who, um, you know, they're they're bleeding from walking straight to this glass wall and they're disoriented and stuff. So, yeah, it can be serious, but. And I remember when this happened at your office, Alex, you guys promptly put up a, like a little logo for your company kind of eye height uh, around that same time. I'm assuming that was part of the reason you did that. In part. Yeah. Also, there's branding, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. When we have the uh, Segway minis in the office, we'll definitely need to be careful <laughs> going much faster than than just walking. Well, yeah, if you're trying to get from one end of the building to another, you're late for a meeting or something, and you're trying to look in your phone for where the meeting room is at, that's a bad combination right there when you have transparent walls like that. Yeah. Again, uh, one of the office buildings that we all worked in, it was quite long, so it could take several minutes to get from one end to the other, so I always joked about skateboards or some other <laughs> means of getting to meetings faster yeah leave five minutes early right? yeah. i yeah. think at the at the tesla factory they have like bicycles that people use to get from one end of the facility to the other <laughs> it would make sense yeah but uh so yeah uh be careful where you walk i guess pay attention <laughs> guess that's the moral of that story your nose isn't worth it so one other thing that uh, kind of has passed since we last recorded is the 10 year anniversary of the iPhone OS 2 SDK, which was the first iPhone SDK that came out. Well, legit one, we'll say. Um, 
I guess I guess Steve Jobs tried to pull the oh yeah the web is the future you can make apps and webs well he didn't call them apps he said you can do stuff in websites it's awesome right but I don't know it's been ten years and it's kind of amazing to me that it was ten years ago it seems like it was just yesterday because it seems like things have been going fast since then is there anything you guys want to say in particular about like how you first started playing with the iPhone OS SDK or like what you were doing. 10 years ago. I think definitely want to call out that you can now officially claim 10 years of experience on iOS. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, 10 years ago, I was still like, why would anybody want to spend so much money on a smartphone and all these, these data plans that are so expensive? Yeah, you were a latecomer to it. When did you first get into iPhone with, development stuff? With iOS 5. But wow. late, late in the iOS five. Okay. Realm too. Yeah, you missed a lot of fun stuff, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I watched from the sidelines, and I had an Android for a while, a couple Androids before my first iPhone. So, what about you, Alex? What do you remember about ten I, years ago? I was definitely downloading it on day one and trying to build apps. Um, there was no interface builder. So everything had to be done in code with that first release, that uh, first version, actually. And it was no a bit core painful. data. Yeah, all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, no core data for sure. <laughs> it's like uh, you're going to write SQLite and you're going to like it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wasn't ready for core data at that point. Uh, I was still trying to figure out the whole view controller release and stuff. Oh, retain, yeah, those. Yeah, memory management with Objective C. It seems so backwards, like coming from a garbage collector the language to have to do manual memory management. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it, I didn't find that too difficult just from a, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a matter of symmetry. Not that I never had memory leaks, but um, it, it was definitely getting familiar with the Objective-C uh, idiomatic way of building apps as yeah. well as trying to figure out how they connect all the things uh, yeah. for, for an app. And there wasn't a lot of documentation or examples. You know, the books hadn't been published yet. So that first year was a lot of trial and error. And I, I didn't ship anything uh, of interest. I built a couple of small applications for myself, but uh, nothing shippable. Yeah, I just remember that manually man managing memory is just more draconian than like super complex. It was like they had this like I feel like the biggest thing that Apple had going for them is like how far ahead their their frameworks were 10 years ago. I mean, UI kit was way better than app kit and still is way better than app kit. We'll see what happens at DubDub this year. Um, but it was just so easy to use stuff. And then the contrast with like, oh, yeah, and I have to manually man manage my memory. So it was just kind of weird. Um, but didn't the first few versions of the SDK kind of not really give you everything that they were playing with. So like their scroll views that they gave in the first SDK weren't that great. Same with like the table views. They weren't the same code as what was being used in the main Apple apps, right? No, I think they were. Um, it's not, it's not anything like watch, watch kit is now. Um, I don't know. Do you remember? I mean, I'm sure Apple had other, they had stuff that we didn't have access to, for sure. Yeah. I, I certainly didn't know any better at that time. <laughs> so it was 
you know, there's so much that's been added since then. Yeah. But I I definitely didn't feel like we got a watered down um, SDK. There there was a lot there. It was just more a matter of trying to learn how to use it. Yeah, I have a feeling, Sam, if you went back and, and looked at it, like a lot of it was just that the stuff that you take for granted now just wasn't there. I mean, there is no copy paste. There oh, yeah. was no text selection, I don't think, back then. There is no you could do text selection. But yeah, it was it was a very different world. Like you had one you had the one page originally on your iPhone and you couldn't even like change pages, much less set a background image and stuff. Yeah. Very simple times. Multitasking, that was not a thing. There was a lot of things as a early Android user that I would poke fun at my iPhone using friends with. The home button literally had one function. It took you home from it closed <laughs> out of an app. And I don't know if you've seen those flow charts for oh, like no, all the crazy. stuff the home button does. Yeah, it's like this crazy like state machine <laughs> to figure out what the home button does at any given point. Uh, now, now it's gone. although yeah, now it's even gone. So well, now, now the power button does more than one thing. So yes, it's true. It it's a, can be a little confusing. Um, I I think one thing that definitely stands out for, between now and then was everything was under NDA, so you couldn't really talk to anybody officially about it. Any of it. The like Apple developer forums. Yeah, that was like the one place you could go because it was assumed that everyone was under NDA because you needed one to log in. And there's lots of people fighting, you know, whatever similar problems and figuring stuff out on their forums. And there are like IRC channels where people were breaking NDA and talking about stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of cool to be in, in at the beginning. I remember I shipped a horrible, crappy app when the App Store launched, but oh. eventually started shipping real apps. There, there were, most of the apps were horrible, crappy apps, but some yeah, of them true. <laughs> did extremely well for yeah. one reason or another, just because people wanted apps. Yeah, do you remember the I Am Rich app? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was it? Nine. They just picked the highest. They just picked the highest price tier. I forget what it was. I thought but it was like ten thousand or something. I thought it yes. was. Yeah, it was. It was either around a thousand or just under a thousand or. More than that, but yeah, and all the app did was show that you could buy the app essentially. Yeah. <laughs> there were like lighters and fart apps and all sorts of gimmicky stuff, making lots of money and lightsabers. Yeah, yeah. and the app store was crazy back then. It was, I mean, there was no accelerometer at that point, or uh, I don't think we had access to the accelerometer, so I'm okay. sure you could make the make the noise in that first version. I could be wrong about that. Well, yeah, we've come a long way since then. So it's probably a little bit too early to talk about predictions for WWDC this year. But, um, you know, we are kind of getting to that point. It's like, you know, what else can they add to the platform? It does seem like it's definitely matured. Yeah. This year it's supposed to focus a little bit more on... Um, stability but they said that in previous years too well they they say they're going to focus on stability and they're going to hold features back but then the big rumor is the big new feature is going to be oh you there's a whole new way to make your ios apps run on mac os so which i'm, I'm i feel like that's a pretty large it's probably going to be a pretty large change i would imagine there would have to be controls 
that are completely brand new, that are Mac only controls that are getting brought to iOS. And yeah, I, don't, it, it, I find it hard to believe that it's going to be really this tame release if that's in there at all. Well, like I said, they've said this before. Um, I forget what version it was, but there were still plenty of new new bits, new features. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, the features that they're implementing now, they've been working on for, you know, probably over a year. Hopefully. <laughs> or some, yeah. I mean, I'm sure some they've been working on longer. Yeah. I mean, uh, this stuff, the, you know, the Mac stuff probably started off in that UX kit thing that we, you know, we saw them ship photos and some other apps with that. I'm sure that's evolved into whatever this new thing is going to be. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. You know, it's something that I saw earlier today that I wasn't aware of. Um, Pre-orders in the App Store. Yeah. Yep, that's the, the thing. Uh, it launched with Mario Run, I believe. That's back right. when that got announced at Dub Dub. Mm -hmm. They were like, hey, and now you can pre-order Mario Run. And it came out like six months later or something. I want to say it came out in like December. Or... It was a long time. Yeah. yeah. It was a pretty long pre-order period, but I... If that was like kind of a one-off thing, but that's been broadly rolled out to anybody now. They can they can do that. It's kind of cool. So, yeah, in my thought process, kind of my segue there was going from you know stuff related to the store uh, updates uh, for developers. So maybe not features within the SDK, but iTunes Connect and App Store updates. Uh, Apple Bot Buddy Build. Was it earlier this year? Maybe a month or a half ago. At least yeah, a okay. month. Yeah, remember we talked about it because yeah, yeah, we talked. <laughs> I know we talked about it. Um, the, our one, our, our lone sponsor gonna, is Apple. <laughs> they, <laughs> they're going to roll that into um, test flight or or some some related area of iTunes Connect. Do you think there'll be enough time for whatever the outcome of that will be? No. We'll make it for the stub dub. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Yeah. I feel like you need more than, what, like four months lead time? Yeah. Yeah. And I doubt they really have been working towards that. I mean, test flight took, feels like that took close to a year from the time they announced it and the time it was actually integrated. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to get to, because I feel like a lot of the the pain points that Buddy Build and Test Flight back then were trying to solve were kind of Apple's self-imposed restrictions related to code signing. Um, I, I feel like if you're doing Test Flight, you're you don't need you don't need the distribution part of Buddy Build, but maybe it's the actual build server. Yeah, I mean, I maybe, guess maybe we'll get an Apple build system that. Like a <laughs> free a online, I, it wouldn't be unprecedented because uh, Unity has a, if you have like the certain level of a Unity subscription, then they will let you do builds on their, they have like a cloud build thing where you can, basically it's a CI setup. So, I mean, I could maybe see that happening. Yeah, I think, was it Adobe with Cordova? I think they had something like that. Um, you know, Xcode server can do some of that, some of what BuddyBuild does, but nobody yeah, really wants to run Xcode server 
for like any high scale. Uh, it doesn't necessarily scale to, um, at, at least for our situation, it doesn't have the the permission management and and flexibility that we have with a third party CI server. Yeah, it can't really coexist inside of a pipeline or or anything like that. And you, it's, it's pretty, really easy to set up. Yeah. It's got some nice features. I mean, it, it removes a decent number of headaches for you if if it can meet your needs. Like, you know, if you want to run on physical devices, it'll manage what devices are connected and performance tests and and the reporting and coverage reports are, are pretty good. But, you know, for yeah. us, the limitations have all be, always been too great. Yeah, I would say it's really good if you're an indie guy or very small shop and all you do is iOS development. Is anything outside of that? Really? And... I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's bare minimum CI, right? So, yeah, it's it's good for getting a CI built or set up and you know, kind of that repeatable build idea going. But as soon as you need to stretch out beyond that, like if you have, say, a, an Android team or you also do Android development, then it just won't do it for you. You need to go investigate other solutions. And there are way more robust solutions out there. It seems like the the level or the size of development team, I guess, that it would make sense for is like a single developer. But if you're a single developer, I could see you just, you know, saying, ah, forget this to CI altogether. If you're just like a one person team, uh, I, although I, I don't think that would necessarily be a good idea, but I, I could see a single developer doing that. Yeah. Um, I mean, small team of in the purely iOS developers. System, yeah. 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 I guess, Technically, iOS, macOS, yeah. someday HomePod OS or whatever. And so, you know, kind of, kind of draw the line here and say, probably not this dub dub, but we'll probably see Buddy Build replace Xcode Server uh, for CI builds hmm. in the, you know, maybe in the cloud uh, in a not so distant uh, dub dub. I feel like it would be nice if it was in the cloud and it was as part of your developer program membership but yeah well i have to imagine that the buddy build team was burning through a lot of cash just in infrastructure because we were and we were running builds all the time um, yeah well and, and once you have a build set builds. up like if you you could even forget that you're running buddy build like i know we have i think we had some stuff running on buddy build that we completely forgot about it and just, you know, it would build every time you would do a commit or however you had it set up. So, yeah, I could see. Yeah. And every branch, too. Not just, yeah. you know, by default, <laughs> I think it was every branch. What? Uh, so we were we were paying for it. But um, but, yeah, with them uh, shutting down Android support, it didn't make it's sense to get that reliable. going. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But it wouldn't it would only build the branch that was committed to. Right. Wouldn't oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, it, okay. it would monitor every branch and build any branch. But the default was, was pushed, to build but... any commit in the repo, regardless yeah, okay. of branch. I think is yeah. what yeah. you were trying to say. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. may also include pushing up to test flight, too. So um, there was probably some inefficiencies there from Apple's perspective with storage. 
<laughs> Have you guys noticed that you can download previous builds in Test Flight now? Did we talk about this already? It's a recent update, but yeah, that yeah. came up in discussion uh, last week, I think. Did it? Okay. Maybe not on the podcast, but it's in useful. The yeah. You're Try talking about <laughs> in the we? Test Flight app on the phone itself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have access to just install old builds. Great for migration and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like that's not that new of a thing. No, it's definitely new. <laughs> <laughs> You're the second person to call it out, so it definitely seems within the last week, so it definitely seems like it's a newer feature. Hmm. Maybe I'm just having like deja vu or something. It's feel like I recall that being in there for a little bit. I see a Stack Overflow post from 2017 that says there's no way to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so who knows? I think it was pretty recently. Yeah. Or but, a third of the way. No, not a third. Bad math tonight. Like almost a quarter of the way through with uh, 2018s. So it looks like some dude with a calendar app stole my Klingon keyboard idea. Except for on the Mac. Yeah, you can't really do custom keyboards in software on a Mac. That's that's fair enough, but so it sounds like there's this this guy who uh, released an app called Calendar Two. So super, I guess it's like a better version of Calendar to that to the Mac App Store, um, and they have they have a supposedly opt-in feature um, that gives you all essentially the pro features. For free, if you let it mine cryptocurrency, in this case, Monero, uh, in the background. So it's kind of interesting. This this app shipped, and then um, the, the makers of the app got a bunch of press, and it was found out that it's mining Monero, whether you say all advanced features for free, you opt into it or not. Um, so they they came out and they said that was a bug, um, and then they just they came out and they made it a statement that said they were going to remove the miner from the app, um, and they gave three reasons why they were going to do it. They said the the, the library they got uh, it was closed source code and they couldn't fix whatever the issue was where it was mining Monero regardless of if you opted into it or not, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then. They said the rollout had a perfect storm of bugs, which made it seem like our company wanted to mine cryptocurrency without people's submission. And that goes against the whole ethos of their company. So I guess that's kind of like a twist on their first reason. Then their third reason is they they feel that proof of work has a dangerous set of incentives, which can lead to electricity waste on a global scale we've never seen before. And I guess they didn't think that was cool. So I thought it was interesting that they put it in the app and then decided that they felt like it was yeah. a bad idea. Just yeah, I don't quite understand. I don't follow the, their logic there, but it was it was bound to happen at some point. Someone was going to uh, do this to monetize an app, and I thought it was nice that they at least seemingly attempted to let you opt in to doing that. I know there's there's a couple uh, like web ad companies that that people have seen that are actually just doing this in JavaScript. And ads that uh, people have, you know, without any, sometimes with permission, a lot of times without any permission at all. So I guess if you were to serve up an ad to enough people and that ad just did a single calculation, eventually you get a coin, right? 
It's like, oh well, yeah, I think I think Monero is one that you can do that's kind of CPU bound if that's your goal. Um, we've had we actually had people hack our multiplayer servers um, to mine Monero, and these are just AWS <laughs> instances. So I mean, they it seems to be profit, or at least when it's not your hardware profitable to uh, yeah. to mine Monero on lots of different machines, whether they're mobile or or in the cloud somewhere. Is that um, one so new that a lot of the coins haven't been mined yet? Kind of like Bitcoin in the early days? It's been around for a while. I, I think the difference is whatever the algorithm it uses can, uh, doesn't need like a graphics, like a graphics card GPU to uh, to mine it or a specialized, you know, specialized hardware hmm. like is kind of the most efficient way to, to mine Bitcoin. But whatever algorithm that's used by Monero is it's CPU bound, not GPU bound. So well, the GPU is just doing things that the CPU can do, but doing it a lot faster, a lot more optimized. I don't think that they're, they're both CPUs and that they can both run any kind of calculations. It's just that a GPU can do certain types of math calculations way more efficiently. Right. And, and, the the algorithm that that Bitcoin uses there there's efficient ways to do that on the GPU. I forget some I think it's some hash. I forget what it is. Mm. But whatever Monero uses, <laughs> feel free to write in and correct us on this, guys. <laughs> uh, but whatever algorithm that uses, there's not like some super um, GPU efficient way to do it. So a lot of the people who mine Monero will just do it on whatever CPU they can find. But if you were trying to mine Bitcoin on random, you know, machines or computers that you only had like JavaScript access to, which would normally not let you, you know, get into the GPU. I don't think it would be profitable for them to do that. Yeah. I'll just wait for like a uh, WebAssembly and or WebGL. <laughs> we'll see. I thought it was interesting. The third point he made, I don't know if you guys follow cryptocurrency that much, but, uh, there's there's some cryptocurrencies that don't use proof of work, which is, you know, basically you do this calculation You for Bitcoin. It's like some hash for Monero. It's something else. But there's a different different way. Some people do it. It's called proof of stake, which apparently just proves that you care about it. It's not doing like some CPU intensive algorithm that will like burn up all the world's electricity or whatever if we continue with the current trend. So. I thought it was interesting that that was his moral quandary that decided that made him decide to to pull it from the app. But hmm. <laughs> <who> knows <laughs> just from the one screenshot that was on Mars Technica, I don't think I would be inclined to download that app anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of recycled icons in there. So you're you're not going to be doing your next app to uh to mine cryptocurrency for you. I'd have to buy into it first. That's <laughs> fair. Not sold. <laughs> it's essentially a gamble right now. I mean, there there is a good uh, last week tonight um, story on on cryptocurrency. <laughs> Those good to watch if if you're kind of curious about the whole thing. Um, they explained it pretty well, and their summary was essentially like, "Yes, it's gambling. So treat it like you would if you were gambling." <laughs> so. I mean, that's that's the stock market in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, too. I mean, it's the stock market. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, but 
they had they had a good take on it. <laughs> it's free on YouTube like, too, so I feel like it's one of those things too where eventually these cryptocurrencies it's just gonna kinda narrow down to where you have a select few that are actually used, like Bitcoin and a couple others. Kinda like how smartphone operating systems there were plenty of them in the early days and they've all just kind of converged into two. So if you pick one of these ones and it's kind of early days for it, maybe you'll get something out of it in the future. And especially if you can get something and sell it off quickly, you'll, you'll get some money, but it might just lead to a bunch of heartache in the end for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't think I would argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a speculative uh speculative market that people are participating in that's what you kind of expect from it so i, I guess yeah. there i guess the issue is when you don't realize that that's what it is and you like dump all of your life savings into it where it becomes kind of kind of ethically not good for you to to do <laughs> right. right so don't do that if you have no clue what <laughs> cryptocurrency is yeah i, mean, I probably don't investment. do it at all period right <laughs> but as a know, general gonna, investment yeah yeah. As general investment advice, though, as soon as you put some money into it, but you get enough that you've already, that you could recoup the amount of money that you threw into it, pull that money out because then you'll never lose it. You know, if you invest $1,000 and your Bitcoin or your e-currency goes up to 2000 pull 1000 out. Then you won't have lost any money if it crashes. Yeah, we're at the, we're in the hype phase of the hype cycles. Um yeah. Well, we, we might actually be we're somewhere in between the peak of inflated expectations and the trough of disillusionment right now, because I feel like there's there have been a lot of reality checks on this cryptocurrency stuff. So I I mean, my personal thought is there is some there, there's going to be this slope of enlightenment coming at some point. It's just where on that that valley into the trough of disillusionment with cryptocurrency are we now? Yeah. Are we at the top and it's just starting to people be disillusioned with it or are we near the bottom and it's about to turn up? So I, that's I mean, that's what the whole speculative investment on this cryptocurrency stuff is about. Um, but and yeah, humans, humans are notoriously bad predictors. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, predict the end of this episode. I'd say it's coming up really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right on that one, Sam. I think that's all, all right. the time we have left <laughs> this week. So why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. You can find me at Sam Corder on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo, and you can find the podcast at Shared Inst. Uh, if you want to join us in our Slack and chat about how horrible you think cryptocurrency will be in the future, then go to chat.sharedinstance.com and get an invite. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks.